Welcome back, everybody, to the Deeper Than Sunday podcast. This podcast exists to be an extension of Grace Church San Diego's teaching on Sunday. We were back in the book of Acts with one of our favorite preachers. I'll let him introduce himself here in a little while. Um, We got our sophomore visit, meaning second visit on the podcast from somebody on my left. Please introduce yourself. Hello, I am Ashley. I am the Gen Z female representation this morning. That is exactly why you're here, and you're just a pleasant human in general. Thank you. Okay, one of our favorite pastors, who are you? One of your favorite? Well, there's only three, so... <laughs> you're definitely in you're the top three. You're all one of my favorites. <laughs> uh, thanks, Jeff. This is Scott. I was the preacher yesterday. Wonderful. Um, before the break, let's just get some housekeeping out of the way. What do you guys think? So, um, a lot of you know that our church goes to Tijuana, Yes. For trips with Spectrum Ministries. Yep. Scott, can you uh, just do a replay of how Tijuana is typically said from stage? Tijuana? Tijuana, yeah. I'm we, sorry. We add a little uh I'm in sorry. There. Why is that? Because I'm, I don't know. Just say TJ. You can say two letters. I say things wrong. I'm notoriously horrific at languages. When I go to Thailand, I'm horrible. Spanish, I'm horrible. I just... I, Ashley, try. You, you got the message from Instagram. Had you noticed the mispronunciation before somebody brought it up? Man, it's just so common, I think, to hear it both ways. I think it's it sounds natural from Scott coming out as like Tijuana, but then if he's up there like Tijuana, it'd be like, okay, you might be yeah, trying too like hard. Trying hard, right? Oh, yeah. If it, I'm from Indiana. We have a lot of like European city names. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite is uh, Versailles. Instead of Versailles. <laughs> yeah. Versailles. Like, I'm from Versailles, Indiana, and it's totally normal. Can so, you spell that? Uh, no. Let's go ahead and uh, <laughs> roll the theme song before I even ask to spell it. And we're back. Um, let's not waste any more time. Let's get into it. Acts 18, Ashley, Gen Z recap, go. Alrighty, so we were in Acts 18, verses 1 through 11, and pretty much Paul was being pretty persecuted while he was preaching the word over in Corinth, and he went over to um, his buddy's house, the neighbor's house, and he was kind of encouraging him to keep going and heard from the Lord to, to stay there and keep preaching the word, and he did. He stayed there for a year and a half, and many people received the word and were baptized, and that started the the local church, and it was booming because of his perseverance. And and also, what I think was really cool is, while Paul was there, besides being a, an apostle, he was he was doing the tent making. He was just doing his his regular job with with the other tent makers as well. Do you think they made the tents and then like played in them afterwards, like set them up and like? Did a little role playing, little, like little kid games. Like tested it out. Yeah, to just tested it out. Home. See how you can fit. Or in the living room, make a tent. Totally. And yeah, played hide and go seek. They're like, Mom, get out of here, we're camping. <laughs> I, I don't think they did that. I don't either. I don't. I, I absolutely. It's a don't fun either. thought though. Um, how'd she do, Scott? She did good. Yeah, Great. good job, cool. Ashley. Thank you. Very you good. listen. I, You're I try. one of like the few. This was this is online too. I wasn't in person really? yesterday either. Oh. So how come? I had work. I had a softball game. Mm, but right. I still made it. I still made it on the online. Good job. Thank you. Proud of you. Thanks. Well, <laughs> let's start this 
thing off with an impossible question. I love these questions. It's just your opinion. No way yeah. to know. But um, you had mentioned something in the service that caught my ear. Like if Paul would have just left and not listened to the Holy Corinth. Spirit, Corinth, the Corinthian church, wouldn't have gotten started. So my question is, is that is that true, do you think? Like if, and I guess we could apply this to us today, if we don't listen to God and we just go on our merry way, is God's plan thwarted? Or yeah. would somebody else have come through and started the church? Yeah, it's a good question. I know I just kind of threw that out there as a thought. Like what if what if he would wouldn't have listened to this vision, this dream of the Lord speaking to him and telling him not to be scared and stay in Corinth and do what he did and then him staying a year and a half. What if he didn't do that? What would have happened? I <clears throat> and kind of what I was alluding to is God's sovereign plan will still happen. I, I so I do think if it, if it was in God's plan to establish a church in Corinth which was this uh, largely an immoral place and uh, idols and false gods and all these things. Um, yeah, I think it would have happened still, um, to answer your question. I don't think what we do thwarts God's plan. I just think in our everyday lives, we get to participate in what God is doing in the world. And and we should. It, it's obedience when we do. Um, but yeah, I, I think it, it, it would have happened regardless, yeah. my opinion. How do we then apply that to our own life today? If you know, if we're seeking the Lord and trying to do our best to interpret His will, and we get it wrong, how should we look at that? Like, God's gonna like to me. It, it gives me a sense of relief. Like, okay, I don't have to get this perfect. God is big enough to accomplish His plans. If I, in good faith, mess it up, or out of good faith, like there's plenty of people that are just blatantly not listening to God, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Um, how, can we, how can we look at our decision-making in the realm of God's eternal plan? Yeah, I, and I think as long as we're stepping in obedience, I mean, the, the commandment of, and the will of God, that was another sermon, right, is, is pretty clear. Uh, we are to make disciples. And so if we're stepping in obedience so at whatever capacity we can and to the best of our abilities, in, with uh, within our cognition and our physical and all of our abilities, uh, I think it's honored, and I think we could be used by God, and we are fulfilling the plan He has for our lives and, and the will He has. Um, but again, God is sovereign, and so there's the the rebel the people who are rebelling against uh, the the will of God for their lives and the commandment of God for their lives, and then there's those who are just doing the best of their ability, and I think God uses it uh, to whatever extent. I think God uses it. Yeah. Ashley, do you ever worry that you're not hearing God's will correctly and like second guess things that you choose to do in your life? Mm, that's good. I think I had a, a like someone someone preached into my life once and they were just like, you should know God's will if you read the Bible. If you read the Bible, his will for your life should be pretty straightforward. And since hearing that, I've been like, okay, so God's will is for me to get to know him better and make him known is what I'm doing falling into those lines. And if there's doubt in that or or if I'm not leaning into that path, then then maybe I need to reevaluate. But I think that's those are pretty clear and straightforward of what God's will is. And, and he's just granting me the blessing and the opportunity to help him make him known. And I'm going to fail. But. Yeah. 
it, it's easy, like, is God's will that I have a same-sex relationship? No. Is it his will that I rob a bank and murder a police officer? No. <laughs> is it his will extreme. that I move to San Diego rather than stay in Indiana? That's not right. in the Bible, right? And yeah. so, like, there's some nuance. How do we figure out the nuance? Or have we already proven that, like, it's not that important that we figure out the nuance because God's mm-hmm. will is going to be done? Or is it like, man, God really... Like you said, it's it's for our blessing. If we get it right, if we are more in touch with the Father, it's for us, not necessarily like God wringing his hand saying, oh, how am I going to get this done now? Yeah. It goes into, so in December, uh, I gave a sermon. We didn't talk about it, remember? We talked about kind of the rebuild people in the rebuild place. Yep. But that was the sermon on God's will. And, and what you're saying is true, Ashley. God's will is really clear in Scripture. A Christian should never say, what's God's will for my life? Well, it's really clear with the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. However, um, the term I used in that sermon was God's will of direction. And, and I got it from uh, uh, DeYoung De is his okay. name. Uh, and DeYoung in his book, I can't even remember the title of the book, to be honest. But he talks about God's will of direction. So there's decisions in our life where, what college do I go to? Do I move from Indiana to San Diego? Do I marry this person? Do I? And in the grand scope of things... Um, where God's will is clear, God's will of direction is a gray area that's difficult to bring through a grid to make decisions because it's not black and white in scripture. And so you're like, God, what the heck, man? Like, what do I do here? Man, woman. <laughs> God <laughs> is a woman. We all know that. That was right. a joke. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, like, what do you do? And so there's steps that you take in order to make wise decisions. If it's in scripture, if there's an example in scripture, um, people who are wise to speak into your life. There's all kinds of things, um, but it is more difficult to make those decisions for sure. Mm-hmm. And so, like with Paul, I think Paul was following God's will uh, very clearly, and and what was very closely knitted together was God's will of direction for him and God's God's will because he was the missionary, and so he was just following the great commandment of go and make disciples. That's great. Uh, God is not a woman. That was a joke. If <laughs> the sarcasm didn't come across the podcast, Mike. Um, cool. I, yeah, I'm happy with that. Uh, let's move on to, you told a couple really cool stories, uh, one of which that I want to park on is uh, David from Peru. Um, just kind of stopping what he was doing mm-hmm. and starting to preach out of nowhere. Like, not the setting for a sermon, yeah. but he just started sharing the gospel. And then my favorite part, which is like, super bold move, is just like, come forward, and I'm just going to wait. I'm not going anywhere. I'm standing here. He sang. And he sang a song. You should have <laughs> sang in, on Sunday. I, you know what? I kind of thought I should. But I was like, man, that's going to be really bad. Yeah. That's gonna, I should have done it anyway. <laughs> that would have been good. So good. Yeah. Yeah. You need a little humble pie every once in a while. Um, <laughs> so for those of you who weren't there on Sunday or didn't hear, um, this dude just starts preaching, says, invites people to come follow Christ. And yeah. then just waits. And you said four people came up? Four people Gave their life up. to Christ. Yeah. yeah. Man, that is wild. It's powerful. The team, so I wasn't there. Um, Sean, our mission director, led the team. And we had two elders on the team. And with, I think, 12, 13 people. And they went to this village uh, down the Amazon River. And they loaded the boat up with uh, food bags for every, uh, a food bag for every, one family, every family in the village. And so they land, they distribute the food. And then Pastor David as you just said, he, he just stands to the side and just loudly starts preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and calls people 
to salvation, calls people to repent and believe. And everyone, nobody does anything. So he just says, okay, now's the time, but to give you time, I'm going to just wait here. And then he just starts singing. And the whole team came back with the story. It was like, we were just shocked and stunned. And it was like this surreal moment, like you would see in a movie of this guy in this profound kind of bold move, singing a song. And then during the song, four people come forward. Like, Number one, I want to know, does he have a good voice? <laughs> said, like, I don't. Like, so if I would have done that, it would have deterred people. So he must have a good voice. But um, they're just like, he was kind of like angelic, you know. Maybe the voice was terrible, and they're like, somebody go up there and accept Christ <laughs> so he'll shut up. Yeah. That might be the case. Yeah, it's possible. So here's the question. Um, was Did that work? Obviously, the Spirit's involved anytime somebody comes to faith, right? Yeah. The Spirit is calling all people to the Father. Um, but just kind of on a surface level, socially, did that work because that was just kind of normal for the culture, like that type of thing happened? Because I just think if I went to the gym in the morning and got up on one of the benches and started preaching, first of all, security would ask me to leave, right? <laughs> but like, is that a story that we should... Uh, find a way to copy in our own setting like because yeah. it seems out of nowhere like why did why did yeah. he do that like did he just hear from the Lord like okay I'm gonna go do this does he do it all the time and people are like okay here comes David he's gonna sing and whatever like how do we apply that to our own lives today yeah I mean to my knowledge that's not a normal thing I don't think it's a culturally normal thing in Peru and also, I, I, I get the idea that it's not a normal thing for Pastor David to do. I think he was spirit-led. Um, and so that's hard because, right, like, how do you take that and go, is this something that we should be doing in our everyday lives? Should I go to Starbucks and just get up and share the gospel and then just start singing? And I don't, I don't think we should look at that and go, I need to do exactly that to replicate what happened in, out on the Amazon River in Peru. I think, though, that the closer you are to uh, in, and in tune with the Spirit, the Spirit can guide you into bold steps to proclaim and demonstrate the gospel and to speak into people's lives, ask hard questions, share your testimony when it's uncomfortable, things that can be bold that the Spirit leads you into. That's a fine line because we can always do weird things and say that was the spirit. Mm -hmm. But also I, I think there's a, there's a real um, amazing, beautiful, powerful um, movement of the spirit to, to do things outside of our norm. And I've experienced something like that. I don't know if you have Ashley. Or yeah. you have, have you ever experienced it or done it yourself where you're like, okay, the spirits tell me to do this. I got to do it. It was kind of like a last minute thrown into things. Um, I'm in university Christian fellowship at USD and when it, we had an all-campus speaker, all-campus gathering, we had a speaker, and like minutes before he was going to present, they were like, okay, Ashley, you're going to do the call to faith after this. And like, I didn't have any prep on it. And it was just like, okay, this That's is what scary. we're doing. It was scary. Yeah. Yep. And it was like my first time like hosting the event. And so I had the sermon to to process and listen to the spirit and say, okay, what does this group of people need right now? What are the call to faith that I'm going to do? Um, like, what are the groups? How are we going to really bring this community to to what the Spirit is calling for us? And that required me to, like, be in prayer and listen to the Spirit and choose words wisely and just kind of say, okay, you're going to provide the words for this one. And I think 
because I took the time to pray and listen, the Spirit provided that and yeah. totally moved that night, which was incredible. Yeah. <clears throat> That's the thing that I could do better on is typically I will fall back on my intellect and the systems of like analyzing that I've done my entire life. of like, should I say this or that? Or who's here and who's not? Rather right. than say, Spirit, you know more than I do. You, you come alive in me, right? Yeah. Because um, maybe a calculated look at the situation, if David did that, he'd be like, okay, it's not the time. But he listened to the spirit, which was abnormal yeah. for the setting, yeah. and went for it. Yeah. Um, yesterday, <clears throat> after the 1130, we had, it was a long day yesterday, <laughs> we had like <laughs> a, a two-hour meeting with the missions teams, so with Peru and Thailand, and I had a number of people, uh, I think four or five people, come afterwards. Um, from the message and go, I want to be a part of the team. So that was really cool, uh, number one. But um, it, it was also, so I wanted to give like general information of this is what it means to be on a team and fundraising and training and trips, when the trips when we were there, blah, blah, blah. But then uh, it was a spiritual development training day. And one thing I, I tried to talk about with our teams is um, here at Grace, the last couple of years, we've been really talking about being on mission. Yesterday was all about that, right? missionary, go on mission, live on mission, and go on mission. I, I said that a few times, um, which is the calling of every Christian. Uh, but then I kind of backed up, and I wanted to talk about being, um, spending time with Christ and the Holy Spirit to be fueled by him in order to be empowered by him to go and do the mission. Um, and so I, I mentioned that because I feel like when we think about living on mission or going on mission and doing these things like Pastor David did or speaking to a friend and sharing the gospel or, or going up and giving this evangelistic call. And you're like, oh my gosh, I can't, I'm not prepared for this. The closer we are and the more time we spend in God's word and prayer and with the Holy Spirit, the more empowered you are to do things like that. So I think Pastor David is probably very disciplined in his time with Christ, his time in the word, his time in prayer. And the Holy Spirit, he's just so close in tune with the, the movement of the Spirit that he was just naturally led that way uh, on that day in that particular time. And the closer we're able to do that, I think we're empowered to go and live out the mission. Yeah. So here's a related question we got from Instagram. So thanks for writing in. Um, some of us have jobs, like government jobs. Some of us work in schools. Um, there's all kinds of places in this country that it's just not okay to talk about religion. Yeah. Um, if sharing the gospel is a call for every person's life, how do those people who probably love their coworkers and want to see them come to Christ, how do they navigate a world that would say, actually, that's, that's illegal. We try to separate church and state. You could lose your job if you talk about this up against the Great Commission. Yeah, that's a tough one. I don't know. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> next. <laughs> next question, please. Yeah. No, it, it is hard, right? Because I, um, there's varied views on the spectrum. There's the Christians who are like, it's kind of like in the Vision series where we talk about the battleship Christians. Kind of along the same lines are, are the Christians who are like, you go say whatever you want, and if you get fired, so be it. And it's got, you know, like they just bulldoze through the world with the gospel, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. To that, people, I mean, Muslims are going to do the same thing then. Yeah. Like, is that really the can of worms that you want to open up? Like, sure. So that's why I, I'm like, I, that's not my approach. Um, I respect people who stand their ground and go, I'm, I'm going to do that and let the consequences be the consequences. 
I go, as long as you're humble in your approach, but you go that direction, I, I, I respect it. Like, do what you got to do. Um, I would say specifically to someone, if, if a friend or someone I know came and asked me, hey, I have this government job. It is literally against the rules. They'll call me into HR and write me up and, and maybe fire me if I go and, and uh, share my faith. I would say, okay, then don't do that. Um, I, I, there's, I talked about demonstrating the gospel and then proclaiming the gospel. And the two have to come together. In personal relationships, if Ashley, you and I are friends, and I'm just like, I'm just going to model Christ-like character, that's amazing. But at some point, I need to open my mouth and go, Ashley, you need to come to know Jesus and, you know, in a relational way, have that evangelism. Um, but in a workplace like that, I would say, model it, demonstrate it, have godly character, um, be the person everyone can rely on, be a good friend to a coworker, have an opening ear. You'd be amazed at the opportunities that God will open up. Uh, I used to work in corporate America too. I worked in a high rise on the 11th floor, um, adjacent from the Santa Fe train station downtown. Loved that building because I could see the cruise ships coming in and out. And it was corporate America, man. We couldn't really do that stuff there. It was a no-no. But people would come to me with issues, and we like would go to happy hour or go to lunch or something like that and open up, uh, open up about their life, and there would be windows of opportunity where you can share uh, without being the weirdo going from cubicle to cubicle and be like, hey, you go to church this Sunday? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have a Bible verse for you right now. You know what I mean? There, there's a balance there. And I would say, um, use the, if you get frustrated, you're like, I need to minister to this person that, that I'm working with, but I can't do it because my work. Use that as an, uh, an opportunity to pray. Mm-hmm. Uh, we doubt, uh, not doubt, we uh, diminish the power of prayer. And so be an intercessory prayer warrior for that person. And every time you want to but can't, pray for that person. Yeah. So there's just there's opportunities there for sure. Yeah, so Ashley shouldn't at her job when she's hitting the walk-up music for the softball players reach into the mic and say, Jesus loves you, <laughs> right? Yeah, I think that's like, don't be a weirdo, Ashley. Noted, um, <laughs> noted. <laughs> yeah. it, it makes me think, do you remember the, I think it was Colorado, the football coach who got in trouble for baptizing his players off of, I think it was baptizing or maybe praying. I can't uh, remember. There was uh, a, a court case that went, I think it went all the way to the Supreme Court of this uh, Christian uh, football coach who was praying with his players mm. after practice, like on the field, but after practice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember that? That was, that was a while ago. And I'd love to hear your take on this because he, here's my opinion. You hear some Christians say, that's terrible. They're taking God out of schools. Like, look at the degradation of society and like, we're not praying anymore. He should be allowed to do that. Um, but like I briefly mentioned earlier, if you allow him to do that, then the Muslim coach comes up, or the Jewish coach, or the Satanist coach, for that yeah. matter, and they get to do the same thing. Is that is that what we want? Or I don't. You know, when I think about that, I don't even think about if the Muslim or the the Satanist or the whatever. I'm like, okay, let let it be, whatever. I do think though, though, that there's places in Scripture where we're called to submit and respect authority um, and human institutions. Uh, I think that's Romans 13, one of those. Romans 13 or First Peter 2, one of those two, where it's you, you are to submit and subject yourself to human institutions. And so I think there's a balance there. Um, and but you ha- you do have to respect the rules of, to which you're you're under. 
Um, at the same time, man, I, you know, you see people, um, lightly rebelling against that in a sense. I mean, you see, what's his name? Purdy and, and the way he speaks mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, You're um, talking about Brock Purdy. Yeah. 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 And the way he speaks about his faith openly. And I, I actually have no idea if the NFL has rules about any of that stuff. Um, I don't think so. Yeah. Maybe not. But I know MMA, um, there yeah. he's like. Leave your God out of this. The who, what's his name? The, Dana White. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He the doesn't UFC. like it at all. He doesn't like it, but he also is a free speech guy. So he's like, I will never tell. He, he speaks out of both sides of his mouth. <laughs> yeah. He does that all the time. <laughs> yeah. But he he absolutely says, I don't want like keep your religion to yourself. Blah blah blah. Um, but then he says, I don't tell anybody what to say. They can say whatever they want. So it's like, all right, which one? Uh, so you have a lot of fighters and athletes that share their faith very openly, like after a fight. Give, it, give praise to Jesus type of thing. Well, I was just thinking, this reminds me of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Mm-hmm. Because, correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. You're but, wrong. Thank you. Um, You're <laughs> I right. Think, I think uh, their obedience yeah. to to their work and where the, the king in that time is like in the authority. They were very obedient. But when the time came, when they were like, hey, bow down and let this be your God, let this be your idol. They said no, nope. and they yep. were obedient. Yep. And because of that, that's what evangelized the, the prison guard yeah. and the people around them when they saw the fourth in the fire. God will save me even if he doesn't, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, 100%. That's a great, um, a great example. It, it, there's a fine line. And part of me can really go to then rebel. Yeah, rebel and step out in your faith and share your faith. Um, I am not a rule follower. Everyone knows that about me. Um, so I'm, I love breaking rules, man. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite things in many ways. But um, at the same time, <clears throat> a humble servant leader approach in the workplace or whatever institution, you know, you at the university, um, I do think that Christians should be humble and show leadership in their faith through humility and subject themselves, whether it's 90% or 95 or all the way to the authority over them. Um, and, and at the until same time, that not authority says, yes, don't. Yeah. Or worship this idol. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. hundred percent. And at, at that point it's like, no. Uh, and we, again, we have biblical examples from that where I'm not going to worship this. King Jesus is on the throne. Mm-hmm. And so you, you hold your ground uh, when that comes. But yeah, it's a fine line. So a teacher, right? How much can they do that? Uh, how much can they outwardly and openly share their faith? I uh, just got done with the season of wrestling, uh, wrestling, being a wrestling coach for the first time ever, which was a whole thing. But um, my son goes to a charter high school in Alpine. It's a great school. Secular school the, uh, the people who are leading the school are Christians. So they're very value-driven. Well, where do you think those values come from? Right. They all come from Scripture. I love it. I was hired to be the coach. I put it, these are air quotes, <laughs> hired to be the coach. What was your salary as I, coach? It was free. <laughs> free salary. Free. If anybody uh, else is, wants a free wrestling coach, yeah. call Scott. I'm done for a while. It was a lot, man. <laughs> uh, eight of my evenings. But it was good. Um but she, uh, she was out of town, the athletic director, and she's, and she's like, oh, what do you do? Tell me about yourself. And I told her, she's like, oh, my gosh, I knew God would send me a pastor and a godly man to lead these young, young students. You're hired. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, what's the pay? No, she <laughs> That's great. 
Um, cool. Good. Good talk. Uh, let's move on. So, part of your message was this idea that God just uses the simple, ordinary man or woman. Yeah. It's not. It's not like a superhero. You know, we're not. There's nothing special about the people that God uses. Um, which got me thinking. You know, if you ask somebody who's your favorite Bible character, everybody's like Paul. Yeah. Well, you're like, you can't say Jesus. I'm like, okay, not Jesus, Paul, you know, David, you know, all these random, these people. Is it helpful for us to take the time to look at Paul as just a simple tent maker who was, I mean, he was a tent maker, but also before that, he was really rising up the ranks of, in the, like in the Jewish, yeah. the, the Jewish ranks, right? Yep. Um, so how should we look at Paul? Like, is it helpful to like kind of put him on a pedestal? Or should we just say, this is just some guy who listened to God? Yeah, it's a good question. I think both, uh, if I'm being honest. I, I think we could look at him in, in both ways. Um, if you were to ask me who's my favorite biblical character and you can't choose Jesus, um, I would follow everyone else and say probably Paul. I love his letters, his epistles. Uh, so he's probably my favorite. But um, yeah, I think both. I think he was very ordinary and, and he was totally human and felt human things, and th I said this in the sermon, like, had human circumstances he needed to overcome, and, and blah, 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 and he was a tent maker, okay, so he had a, he had a trade, um, and at the same time, I think it's Hebrews 11 that talks about these biblical heroes from Old Testament to New, um, and it says, by faith, and they did this, and, and the whole chapter is really mapping out that, by faith, ordinary people can change the world around them, that, and God will use them to change the world around them for his glory. And so um, I just tried to say yesterday, <clears throat> I don't want us to th think, yes, every, everyone's special. Paul was special, don't get me wrong, but he was just human, you know, like Pastor David's human, Carlos Vargas' human, you know, the examples I gave. Um, so don't think God can't use you in his sovereign plan to redeem the world. That's what I was trying to say yesterday. When you mean special, I think you mean unique, right? We're yeah. all unique. There's yeah. nothing, the only thing special about him and Pastor David from Peru and these other people we've been talking about is that they listened to God. Mm -hmm. They were with the Spirit and let the Spirit move within them, right? That's exactly what I mean. Yeah, we're all created in the Imago Dei. We're all in the image of God. We're all unique. Um, but yeah, they were obedient. Uh, so, you know, the Hebrews 11, go read that, uh, and all the different people that are mentioned in there, whether it's Moses or Enoch or, you know, all those characters, uh, God used them because they took steps of, in obedience to make Yahweh known, to make Jesus known. So cool. that's our calling as ordinary people. I can dig it. Ashley, who's your favorite Bible character? Paul. <laughs> Boo. Um, well, who's yours? Yeah. Judas. Judas. <laughs> He didn't fumble the bag, guys. He got. He's about that money. He's got to get the silver. Yeah. Who's your real one? Um, I don't know. Who knows? Right. James. I like James' book. I don't James necessarily love book. Paul, but yeah. he's in the Bible, so yeah. I gotta gotta like him. I guess. I like Mary Magdalene too. Yeah. Oh, she's a good one. She's legit. Yeah. You watch The Chosen? I did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good. Good stuff. Um, I wrote this down. Hopefully it starts a conversation. There's no question to it, but I was just oh, curious. Yeah. There are now 8 billion people in the world. Any guesses? We'll just trivia question. Actually, it's, I sent you the question, so you know the answer. Without looking at your question, I don't remember. how many of those 8 billion identify as Christian worldwide, do you think? Good. 
identify or are like I mean I just went to the truly I went to the first website on Google I did not do a deep dive okay. on this this okay. is probably like census somebody who would who would mark it on a census okay well like we had Josh's study. stats like what a week or two weeks I forgot all of that yeah I don't remember <laughs> and if you're listening I think the, two two okay <laughs> Two, two million. Oh, two million. Two people. Two people. Two, I'm like, there's three billion, in this room. Sorry. Two billion, not two million. <laughs> That's what I meant. Yeah. Oh, what do you think, Ashley? Two billion? Okay. Out of eight? Two out of eight. Two out of eight? I think that's the stat. Um, <clears throat> the late, great, and controversial because of, oh, gosh, I shouldn't even say it. An, an apologist who passed away um, in a book he wrote called The Grand Weaver, that'll allude to who I'm talking about. He talks a little bit about this, and he says that we're, there will be surprises. There's this like chilling line in his book. Um, there will be surprises when it comes when we get to heaven, and how many people were saved. And so it's like, wait, what do you mean? Is that going to be more or less than what we think and what the stats show? Um, I wonder though if you if you do pull up uh, Pew Research or or Barna. Um, what those numbers are in America or what those numbers are in the world. Um, it's interesting thought. But I think two out of eight, is that, am I right, by the what way? Do you, what do you think, Ashley? I think two out of eight for the world is pretty accurate. Well, that's that's 25%, so that that's probably accurate for the world. Um, a lot of people. Near, near that. I wonder what the difference is for America. Yeah, so worldwide, 31.6%. Okay. As of 2022. Okay. Near. So that's that's about two, just under two out of eight. Two, no, no, that's 25%. Yeah, it's a little more. Yeah, a little more than two. Um, but I don't know about America. But anyway, it, it just got me thinking of like, if if all Christians, all two, we'll just say two billion of us, have this great commission to share the gospel, mm. um, 30%, that means we got to save two people? Yeah. Each, if we all did mm-hmm. it, if you're just breaking it down by the numbers, save two people, and then we're good. We don't do the saving, Jeff. Okay. You know what I mean. <laughs> you are right. I stand corrected. If we yeah. share and uh, people come to faith in Christ. Yeah. 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 Like I said, no question, just fun facts. Yeah, it's an interesting thought, and it's an interesting thought. Um, <clears throat> what I talked about yesterday is like if you feel the responsibility on yourself Part of that is good, but the result, like the responsibility of the outcome is not, is not up to us. Um, you know, our obedience, our step of obedience is to share the gospel, uh, often through our testimony, and um, because that's relatable. But to share the gospel is really how we are being obedient to make disciples uh, and be very intentional in those relationships. Now, when if people are over, so intentional that you have an agenda with people, mm-hmm. you should also be very, like, just genuinely interested in people's lives and just, like, hey, how, you know, get to know them just as human beings. Um, obviously, you, you want them to come to Christ and be saved, but don't be like, all right, this one's done. Now I'm done with the relationship and move on type mm-hmm. of thing, yeah. if that makes sense. Okay, that's a good uh, transition to the final question. Um, so we're all called to share the gospel, according to Romans 10, which you referenced. Yep. Um, and that's with words, obviously. Um, but holistically, beyond words, what does that look like to share the gospel? And maybe just use your own life. Like, what do you do this morning? Go get coffee. you got a Starbucks cup right there. 
were you thinking about sharing the gospel then or how much of a part of your life is it? And what in your mind does it look like to share the gospel? Yeah. Yeah. For me, it all begins with um, my rhythms. Uh, And I I go back to what I talked about. I think people get tired of me talking about it, but it's really important to me. And the spiritual disciplines and rhythms that I have um, are what gets me in the right perspective to then go and want to share the gospel and have it to be the front of mind, um, both uh, acting it out in my behavior and my character in everyday life with my boys. My boys are in the gym right now. Um, and then to open my mouth to, to friends. Now, I, I work for a church, so opportunities arise when it comes to like, hey, what do you do? Well, here, let me tell you what I do. But for everyday people in everyday lives that aren't working in full-time ministry, um, I think it starts, number one, with your connection with God. Um, every day, every morning, get up, read the Word, spend time in prayer, ask God to give you opportunities to see people come to faith and so that He could redeem them through your example and your demonstration. And then opportunities just to share, just to simply share uh, what Jesus has done in your life and, and why you believe He is the Savior of the world. And um, I think it, it doesn't have to get complicated I think it just starts with being fueled by the Holy Spirit, by spending time with God, asking him for opportunities in everyday life. And he will trust that he will. I do believe that he will. He has. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to ask a hard question and I'll answer first because it's just, yeah, it's just a sobering question. And here it is. When was the last time outside of your work setting that you actually shared the gospel with somebody? And I was so relieved. As I was thinking of this question, I'm like, I don't think I ever have, like not even one time ever. But um, that's not true. So this past December, I was back home. My older brother and my dad, both are not Christian. Uh, My older brother is, um, he believes in a higher power. And we got into a conversation. And I think for the first time ever, I said, even though he knows this about me and about Mm -hmm. our family, I said, I do believe that Jesus is God and that he came and following his way. And so for me, it was last December. But if I'm being honest, I do a lot of relational gospel sharing, like yeah. being kind and hospitable and making friends and trying to like model selflessness like Jesus did. Um, but when it comes to just talking about Jesus, man, it's so few and far between. Can yeah. you remember the last time you did it? Yeah. Um, it was like six months ago. Um, he's a friend, he's a brother-in-law of my friend and he even came to church. Uh, but we talked about it and, and we talked about it because he is very boldly against. Um, so that's fun. Um, but he came to church and it was funny. So <laughs> this is a funny story. So we, we were sitting down at a family gathering of my buddy. He was there cause he's his, his brother-in-law and, um, he knows I'm a pastor. And so we got into it and we talked about it and I just straight up, you know, um, again, though, it, it, what I do gives, uh, it's, it's easier for me to then share because of what I do, right? Uh, so I did. He came to church, and this is the funny part. We're out by the coffee, and he pulls up right in, on the street, which there's rarely parking right there. And him and his wife get out, and they come up, and he starts F-bombing it. Not in a bad way, but just like starts cussing. That's just his normal. Yeah, you know, oh, just yeah. his normal whatever. And people are looking like, oh my gosh. And I look over, there's one a safety team member, like, is it okay? <laughs> and in my brain, I want to tell everyone, 
guys, chill. Like, this yeah. is, you know what I mean? But it was just a funny story. It, it reminds me of Hugh Halter. You like Hugh yeah, Halter. Yeah, yeah, I love Hugh Halter. He, yeah. in the, his podcast <clears throat> when he was on Theology in the Raw, he talks about they don't advertise their worship service. Yeah. Because the type of Christian who would respond to that advertisement would not appreciate the types of people and the things that they say and do that come to Hugh Halter's I church. I didn't listen to that one. I'll, I'll check. Oh it yeah, out. he was yeah. on. Yeah, he was on Preston. Um, yeah, super good. And it, it makes me think of that as like, if we are going to like raise an eyebrow at that st- type of behavior, we're not going to get the world to come. We've yeah. got to be okay. Like obviously, there's decorum and just like there's kids around and type yeah. stuff. Um, but sorry for cutting you off. It just made me think of no, think I. Of that. It's exactly true. Like that stuff doesn't bother me. I don't bat an eye. Um, I, you know, I live in Alpine and some some rough characters out there, and they have a mouth on them, and I don't care. If I'm being honest, even as a pastor, I don't care. I care about what's going on in their heart and how they could be led to Christ. Everything else is downhill from that. Is a symptom of the root, right? Mm-hmm. And so I want I want to get to the heart of it, the root of it. So. Um, he was probably the, the last one, um, <clears throat> because outside of that, it's just funny, like raw relationships and people that I interact with. I think before that was uh, a dude who did my hair, <laughs> who did my hair. That was at the salon. Yeah, the salon. I was getting. A, <laughs> I was getting. He got it out his crimping iron for my hair, and I did. Do you totally. know what a crimping iron is? Isn't it like a like it curls it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in the eighties, <laughs> totally. I'm dating I'm sure myself, you know that, yeah. and I don't know why I would know that. I'm a guy, but yeah. whatever. Susan probably told you she's a Jersey. No, I had sisters. Oh, okay. And they were they're old. That'll do it. That'll do it. Okay, Ashley, you're not off the hook. Okay. We got a few more years on you, so we've had more time to do it. <laughs> That's right. Um, but what about you? When's the last time you shared? Man, college is a missionary field. Oh yeah. I I feel like in some ways have it easy because we're doing life together like 24/7. Especially when I was living on campus and actually like sharing meals with my classmates and that. So it made the relationship building part really easy. But, like, when you come to class, it's, okay, what'd you do this weekend? And you have the opportunity to say, I went to church, or you could talk about everything else besides that. And just by saying that, plants a seed right there. Mm. And that's how, like, someone knows, oh, okay, so you're some sort of Christian or church person. And I also go to a Catholic university, so when people come to USD, they have some sort of okayness with religion. That's true. They, yeah. they understand, okay, I'm going to have to take two faith-based classes, and they're okay with that. Mm. Uh, a lot of people don't. That's a turnoff for USD. But my classmates have an okay with that. And so there's been, like, there's been a handful of gospel-sharing conversations in my college career, and I think it really just comes down to, like, letting that be part of my personality and admitting that outwardly that, like, this is something that I do, this is who I am, and being okay with that. Um, more, the most formal gospel sharing that we did was we took a house church and we didn't even do the weekly. We said, invite whoever. And we had non-believing friends. We had questioning friends. We had a very wide array. And we were just like, everyone in our house church should know the gospel and know how to share the gospel. Um, that was the most like formal setting that we've recently done. But very yeah, cool. college is a mission field. What yeah. is your, where's your house church meet and when? We meet uh, Thursday nights. We vary from my house, which is right across from the west entrance of campus, 
uh, behind the rip curl outlet uh, at my apartment and then up at the main entrance of campus at my boyfriend Jim's house um, apartment in Pacific Ridge, which is one of the main apartments. Jim Halpert? What's his last name? Jim Bishop. <laughs> Jim Bishop. Different mm-hmm. Jim. Bishop. Different oh, Jim. Catholic school. There you go. <laughs> there it all you go. fits. It Perfect. Worked full circle. It all fits. Okay. That's great. I love hearing that we have house churches, like spaces for people to go. That, yeah. That is like an, an entry point into, into faith. That's cool. Totally. I would think the college campus, though, in the college mind, it would be one of the most difficult mission fields mm. um, right now. And I don't, you know, I'm not on college campuses. My wife is. She works at one, mm-hmm. but I'm not. So to me, I would think that that'd be one of the most difficult spaces uh, because of the rejection and, you know. There is a growing, you, you could speak to this, I'm sure. There's like a growing um, oh, adversity when it comes to different, differing thoughts and opinions mm-hmm. and worldviews, where before, if you wanted to discuss anything, you'd go to a college campus. Like that was like mm. prime for sharing opinions and, and learning. It kind of makes me think of like old school, like we talk about the, like the Roman culture that last week when Josh was preaching, there's like this place where all the intellectuals go and yeah. they're just sitting around talking and philosophizing. philosophizing about, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That used to be the university, but now yeah. If Jordan Peterson books a slot on your, there's like going to be picketers and yeah. like being awful and a lot you of know, protests. Vice versa, if, if there's like a more liberal leaning person, it's like there's it's like angry. Mm-hmm. So, did you feel that when you were in school, or is USD not really get into much of that? Oh no, that's definitely there. Um, yeah, we had a pro-life speaker come and had that exact experience, um, and I think. Really, what it comes down to is is the students as missionaries ourselves, because at the college mind, we talked about this a little bit last week, but like we're idolizing ourselves and that's failing. And people are kind of like, there's two ends of that. It's you do you. It's all yeah. about you. You find your own way, whatever you want. And then the other side of it is like, look, I've tried this I do me thing and it's not working out. So I'm leaning on manifestation. I'm leaning on yeah. the gym. I'm leaning on what, what do you have for me? That's different. Cause you seem to be doing okay. So yeah, there's the, the self-help thing is real and I, I get it because there's, here's what I've known to be true. Uh, if you remember the secret, remember that book and that whole, I remember the Netflix documentary. You, maybe you're too young for it. Um, the secret was basically like, there's, there's the secret out there that you have what it takes to manifest the life that you want. And um, here's the issue. There's a, it's laced with some truth, so it's very deceiving. Mm-hmm. Uh, within your scope, you can change your life, right? You can improve and, and better your life. Uh, it, it is, however, not accounting for the variables of life of uh, you could also die tomorrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can also <laughs> come down and get diagnosed with something. You, it, like there's just things that happen. But the, um, the power, the control that we feel when we can take our life by our own hands and say, I'm going this direction uh, and, and get rid of God out of the equation is a very appealing thought. That's why the, the self-help world is, is so, so real. You listen to Tony Robbins and just all the people and you have everything within you to do whatever you want to do. Um, it's just a lie. It's the definition of confirmation bias. Sure. Oh, I made this this vision board, 
and then I got the job I wanted, it must have been the vision board. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe, <laughs> probably not. It had yeah. nothing to do with that. There's plenty of people that have great lives that have never made a vision board, right? For sure, yeah. Man, good stuff. Uh, we're getting low on time. Not that we have to quit, but I think people appreciate shorter podcasts. Scott, bring us home. What a, if, you, if you got to like boil down your message and reiterate your take home for people, I hate that word, take home. Anyway, <laughs> what is it? Preach to us for a minute. I think it's just, you know, uh, here's my question. My question is, um, at the core of what motivates you, drives you, and compels you, convicts you to do everything that you do, uh, is it truly uh, the mission of God? Is it what God has for you? Is it his plan or is it yours? Uh, and just be honest with yourself. It's okay. You, you have a baseline if you're honest. Uh, and then how can you um, spend time with Jesus and make him Lord of your life to the extent to which you realign your life with his plan? And so I guess that's my encouragement is how can we all do that? Um, and, and what areas do you need to uh, reorient your life so that you could be more like Christ, so that you can fulfill the calling that um, and the commandment that's upon your life? And so that's, that's just my encouragement. Simple. God may ask you to go to Tijuana. Never Tijuana. <laughs> can you say it right for us? Tijuana? Tijuana. Very good. Ashley, you got... Tijuana. Very good. Good job, guys. We're learning things. Good job. Here's a cookie. Um, okay, cool. Thank you guys <laughs> for no listening. Um, if you have any questions, you can always email us at podcast at gracesd.com or keep sending us DMs on Instagram. And uh, until next week, we will talk to you then. Adios, amigos.